When I was in high school, we started uh, learning to ski, and I learned something when I went skiing. When you're skiing, you know, they tell you to point your toes inward and you go down slowly. What they didn't tell me was always look straight, always look where you're going. Because when I started realizing I could ski, I was going, yo, check this out. And then some lady out of the blue just came right, and I just saw a shadow, and it got closer. Everything happened so fast. The next thing I know, my head was in the snow, my leg was behind my head, my arm was behind me, and this lady was sitting on top of my chest, and I realized it wasn't a lady, it was a little girl, but she was a big girl, and she was just like, you know, and then I, I couldn't breathe, and I said, are you okay? And she just started crying. So I said, okay, I hope she's okay. But she cried and didn't move for like three minutes. And then finally her family came and picked her up and I was like, oh. And it was, it was the first recollection of skiing. And I realized there's three things in common about skiing, mowing the lawn, or plowing a field. What happens when you ski this way? What happens if you mow the lawn like this? You don't get straight lines. You, you don't know where you're going. And so today's title is Look Ahead. Can you say look ahead? Look ahead. And you're all looking ahead right now. That's, that's kind of cool. So we're looking ahead. And people who know God, believe God, trust God, they all do this. Genuinely faith-filled people all do this. No matter what happens in life, they always keep looking ahead. And so, a lot of times, no matter what the storm, what temptations, what conflict comes into our life, these people never get stuck in this moment, but they're always seeking, God has a purpose and a plan. I need to keep on moving. And so, in a given week, I wanted to ask you a question. And this is just, just a fun question. This past week, your thoughts... How much of your thoughts have been about regrets, mistakes, or just bad incidents of your past? How much of your thought was stuck in, oh, I should have, oh, I could have, why did I do that? Oh. And how much of your thoughts was always on, why couldn't this happen? I want to go back in time. I want to say a good chunk, a majority of our thoughts always is on the past. So I want to ask you this. How many of your thoughts this past week was on what's to come? Uh, tw- next year is going to be great. I wonder what God's got in plan for us. I just need to know tomorrow's going to be a great day because God made it. Do you feel the difference in the thinking? I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm just thinking, talking about where are you in your mindset? Are you stuck in the past? Or are you seeking as people of God, knowing that God has a purpose in the future? Um, the Bible makes it clear. The Bible makes it so clear that God tells us, remember the past. Turn to someone next to you and say, remember the past. Just, just say, remember the past. Remember God and remember the past. God says, that's okay. That's good. Remember it. Mark it. Put it in your journal. Take pictures. Not of your food, but of, of things happening. But he also says, like Deuteronomy 8, Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. I got here because I'm good. Beware. 
He, God says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you power to get wealth. That's cool. Remember God, remember him. But God also says, live faithfully now, having a joy of the future. So remember the past, live faithfully now, and look to the future. A lot of us, we're stuck in the past. I'm so mad at that job, that boss. I'm so mad at that, oh, my uncle Larry, I can't stand him. Oh, we're going to go to Christmas. And I remember he always does this. That's not looking ahead. You're stuck in this past. And God is calling us, remember the past, remember him, but move to the future. This is called living by faith. Not by what we see, but by faith in the person that we can. And in Christ, this is the good news that the best chapters of your life, and I believe this, the best chapters of your life and my life are always ahead of us. Amen? And that sounds like a positivity thing, but it's true. In Jesus Christ, it doesn't get worse. It always gets better because we know how the story ends. There is a glorious reunion. So we need to look ahead. So God gave Israel this glimpse of what a joyful life could look like. And I'm going to share two. We, we read one last week. In Isaiah 11:6, it says, the, this is how the story ends. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. This is how the story, the future, beautiful heaven looks. And so in today's text, we have this. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy. Can you raise your hand if you really like singing? Just, you just really love singing. Okay, now raise your hand if you're one of those people who sings really loud when no one's around. Yeah, you, you all like to sing. You just don't want to... You're, you're afraid to let us know you can sing because you think we're going to ask you to join choir, which we will. <laughs> Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Why are they singing? They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow, sighing shall flee away. I was shopping at Vons one day, and I was just in a good mood. So I was shopping for bread, and I was going, do, 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 do. I was just, just singing. And a lady comes up to me, and she goes, you're happy. <laughs> oh, did, I, did I do something wrong? She, she, that's how she, I'm not exaggerating. She goes, you're happy. Like, angry. And I wish I could say, are you okay? But she walked off. And I was like, why does that bother us that we're joy fills? Because a lot of people are not happy. And so what God is asking us is don't be happy. Find a joy that can't be shaken by what's happening around you. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Pia shared, shared a great message on hope, waiting in hope. And this, and this is the quote that she shared from G.K. Chesterton. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless. Duh. You only have hope when things are hopeless. Or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Hope only is strong when times are hopeless. That's why we need hope. And so you could tell a lot of, about a person's spiritual maturity by how they pray when troubles come. 
So over time, we've discovered when you watch someone who's struggling, how they pray for their trouble shows us where they are. So for example, many pray that, God, would you fix this problem and take it away? Just take it away from me. Just God, it's unbearable. Take this pain away. That's good. That's not a bad prayer. That's a good prayer. Can I tell you what hope-filled people pray? Godly men and women pray this. They pray in pain and in trouble, God, this is unbearable, but you are my hope. Walk with me in this pain. So, there's a hymn called Close to Thee. How many know that hymn? It's a classic hymn, and it goes like this. Not for ease or worldly pleasure, nor for fame my prayer shall be. Gladly will I toil and suffer. Did you hear that? Gladly will I toil and suffer. Only let me walk with thee. The chorus. Close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, close to thee. Gladly will I toil and suffer. Only let me walk with thee. Usually in America, we don't pray this. We say, no, I don't want to suffer. God, take it away. And what we're saying is, God, you work for me. I want your life. Your job is to make me comfortable and happy or else I won't walk with you. Godly men say and women say, no matter what happens in this world, I will gladly take it all if you, God, my hope, walk with me. Wow. What a great hymn. And so there are two times people lose hope. There are two times people lose hope. First, people lose hope when everything is not going the way they want it. They feel like nothing works, I'm hopeless, and they fall into despair. They lose hope. But there's a second way you could lose hope. Second way is, the other time is, listen here, everything is going your way. Life is good. Everything you wanted is, bam, job's going well, family's going well, everyone's happy, and you can lose hope by foregoing hope because you don't need God anymore. You got everything you needed. Two ways we lose hope. We don't get what we want or we get everything we want. And what the Bible tells us is don't seek hope because you want your life to be nice. Seek hope because you are separated by God because of sin. And death and pain will always loom. You and I need a Savior always. Amen? This is Christianity. The goal in life is not comfort. The goal in life is holiness. This we can't do by ourselves, so we need a Savior. So in Isaiah 35, God wants Israel to simply look ahead. God's saying, look ahead, just keep. And it makes sense because Israel, can you imagine, all of a sudden a nation comes and they take all the young men. And, so raise your hand if you're under 20. You're cheating, you're cheating. <laughs> raise your hand if you're under 20. Okay, raise your hand if you're under 20. So imagine 
Canada coming in and taking all these young men and women, the smartest. And then imagine if you're the young person they don't take. They're like, Jason, you stay. We'll take the smart ones. Anyway, and then they take all these people and they give them new names. and new, They take away. They destroy your church. They destroy Washington Monument. They destroy every significance and meaning of your freedom. And this is Israel. And they're saying, no, you worship our God now. And so they are in a desert spiritually and politically And Isaiah says this, the desert is going to blossom. The wilderness will be glad. I'm betting a million dollars that when your children say, Dad, what am I going to do for my birthday? You don't go to them, we're going to go to the desert and play with the sand. And maybe it's Joshua Tree, that's beautiful, but I I don't think kids are going to be like, what? Do you love me? So verse 1 and verse 2, verse, the sandwich of this text chapter is, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. And verse 10, at the end of the chapter, it ends with this. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Do you see the theme, friends? What is the theme in Isaiah 35? Joy. You're so Presbyterian. Joy. This is what God is saying to us. This is what we're looking for. And then it says this. It's so interesting. It will it, blossom like a crocus. This is a crocus. Crocus is a plant that blossoms at the end of winter, kicking off spring, and the meaning of it is this. I looked it up on the internet. Everything is true on the internet. It's a symbol of glee and happiness. This flower is a perfect gift for someone who needs a bit of energy and positive vibes in its life. Crocus is a plant that symbolizes life is just beginning. And it's so interesting. 2,500 years ago, Isaiah says, the crocus will blossom, meaning you are not dead. Your chapter is still being written. The best is yet to come. Look ahead. Why the change? What is the reason for joy? Why is there a need for joy? Why, why did the shift happen from the desert to this? And the reason for the hope is given, verse 2, uh, they, shall, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Verse 4, Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. The videos we just saw of the military soldiers coming home and that joy the children felt and the father felt, that is coming. God is going to come and save us. He is our hope. The, the word hope is, by definition, is not now, right? The, by definition, hope is something that's coming. And so hope is always ahead of us. And I want to ask you, in Isaiah, if you have your Bibles, just how many times in one chapter do you see the word shall? Just, just take a moment, sift through if you have it. How many times do you think the word shall is in this one chapter with 10 verses? And the number's up there in Korean. That's the Korean number for 22. <laughs> 22 times in one chapter... 22 times, shall. When do you say shall, friends? Like, Jason, I shall 
buy you lunch. Jason, I shall meet you tonight at the mall at 6 p.m. Honey, I shall do the dishes tonight. It is a future hope. 22 times in Isaiah, God is saying to Israel, shall, it shall happen. Just hang on and look ahead. 2,500 years ago, people needed to hear this, and God is with them. I'm with you. It's hard. Bear through it. And God told Israel, when the Lord comes, there will be a highway to holiness, and it's going to happen. The past is not going to define you. I am, and the future is coming. Look ahead. Um, So in this verse, chapter, verse 8, a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. That's pretty cool. Way of holiness. Hold that thought. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. And this is so funny. This is why I love the Bible. Look at this line. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. In other words, you're going to be on a highway when you're the redeemed in the Lord. And guess what? I have good news for you, Jason. Even if you're kind of dumb, you won't even get lost. That's what it's saying. Even if they are fools, you can't miss it. God will put you on a highway, and this highway is going to lead you home. How many of you know who John Denver is? John Denver? If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to start singing it. So during our road trip to San Francisco, I, I introduced John Denver to my kids on the way drive from Pacific Coast Highway. We're driving by Big Sur. And his famous song is Country Road. My kids loved it so much, we played it like six times on repeat. After like the seventh time, I said, okay, let's, let's change it. But Country Road, right? Listen, what is this song about? Almost heaven. West Virginia. Okay. Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old there, older than the trees. Younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Listen to this. Can you all sing with me? Country road, take me home to the place I belong. West Virginia, mountain mama, take me home. Country road. Why is this song so beautiful? And why are we singing it in church? (laughs) Because this song is not written by John Denver. It's a sliver of truth that every soul is singing. This is not my home. Take me home. And every time we have troubles, we look forward to the day where a highway will take us home where you belong, and I belong. And where is that place? It is with God. And so this highway is, is that God is going to remove all the pathway for you to get there. God's going to set the captives free in verse 10. That's why they're singing. And our home is not here. It's ahead of us. And so you always have joyful hope. And the church said, This is why the church sings these songs. We don't ask God to make us happy now. He's already written it out. And we could bear through anything as long as God walks with us close to thee. God's promises are true. 
Because what happens that we know is, in Isaiah 35, he meant, they mentioned about blind eye seeing, ears hearing, deaf hear, and the lame will walk. Well, listen to this. What is that referring to? If you go to Matthew 11, Jesus said the same words. He was approached by John's people. Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? And Jesus doesn't say yes or no. This is what Jesus says. Ready? Verse 5 and 6. Um, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, and the deaf hear. We just heard that in Isaiah 35. This is a symbolism of what God's going to undo the sin. And the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus is saying here an audacious statement. The highway has come. The highway is not an idea. The highway is me. I am this way of holiness for not just Israel, but for the whole world to come back. And so what Je- Jesus is saying here is what we read about in John 14, 6. And so I hope I didn't get lost. But John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes home. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so what does this tell us about this? Friends, this is the good news. Jesus went to the wilderness for you. Jesus took on the exile for you so we could be home. And this Advent season is reminding us, as Paul reminds us of Colossians chapter 1, listen to this, and this is Christmas. For Jesus, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is exactly what Isaiah was prophesying. One day someone's going to come. We will be redeemed. And Jesus came. And it makes us realize, no matter how sorrowful we may feel, your hope when family member dies, when life doesn't make sense, we look ahead at the Savior who has made a way for you and me to say, this isn't your home. Your home is ahead of us. Get up. Look at me. I'm inviting you. And let's walk together. When I think about that, friends, I can have joy. I may not be happy, but no matter what troubles come our way, Jesus, I believe you. You are my Savior. I choose joy. Friends, some of you need to say right now, God, because of what you say and my faith in you, This day, in this Advent season, I too shall choose joy. Will you choose joy with us? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, for everything you have given us. And even in life's most difficult moments, we are reminded all the more that this is not our home. This is not the way it was meant to be. And that, God, we are living faithfully day by day to glorify you, to fulfill your purpose. God, we believe you are indeed mighty to save. 
You are more than enough for our daily needs. And in this Christmas season, we celebrate your coming to save us and your returning again to claim us. We pray these things in the most holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.